Amen. Open up uh, with your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. It's good to see Sister Dorothy and her friends. Can we give a hand clap for Sister Dorothy? Amen. God bless you, Sister. Man, we got a whole summer coming out to see your who? Your daughter. I'm sorry. Your friend. Your daughter. How are you doing, Sister? We did meet, right? What's your name? Kathy, God bless you. Thank you for coming. We met Dorothy and Kathy at the Adopt a Blog, and uh, it has been so cold, Kathy. I've been missing those warm summer days. You too? Come on. So we're going to go back out there, and then, sister, we're going to get a gym so next year we don't have to quit in the winter. Amen? That's our plan, guys. So right now we are going out on Belmont and Clark on Saturday nights. But then during the summer we're going to go back out to Ohio Park, adopt a block, and then our, uh, our goal with uh, Sister Dorothy and myself and a few others, our goal is to get a gym out there so all winter long we can still do stuff in, uh, inside for the kids. Can you all say amen? Man, that's what I'm talking about. Everybody coming together, doing the thing. Charles, you on the team? Amen. If you're on the team, somebody say amen. We're here to reach the nations. Praise God. We're talking today about the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, this is one of the greatest sermons that Jesus preached and taught. I don't have time to review it as much as I would like to because, man, I, I'm not finishing my messages anymore. My parents came and they were like, Joe, you preached three messages. And like, I'm trying to just stay on one. So here's the Sermon on the Mount. If you want to hear about why it's so important, go to the website, get all of the review, and you'll understand what we're doing here today by hearing the pure in heart. But let's start in verse 1. Reviewing what Jesus has already taught us and then continuing what we learned last week. Now when he saw the crowds, he went on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. All of those are on our website right now, okay? You want to learn about being meek, being pure in heart, all of those things are on the website. Verse by verse through the entire book of Matthew here on Sunday mornings. That's our goal. John on Fridays. And this has been one of the most blessed times for me as a pastor. Have you guys been blessed? Has anybody been getting something out of this? Just going verse by verse through the Bible. You know, tricks up the sleeve, you know, you know, no, no, like adding to the word, just the word, okay? So if you want to hear all that's on the website, and then today we're going to finish pure in heart, and then it goes on down in verse 9. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for in the same way they persecute the prophets who were before you. Okay, so those are going to be the next coming week's messages. It's going to be peacemakers next week, and then blessed are the persecuted. Blessed are the persecuted. It's probably going to be one of the best sermons you'll ever hear in your entire life. Not because, <laughs> not because I'm such a great preacher, um, though you guys always tell me that. Thank you. I'm kidding. Uh, because... When we're talking about the persecuted, I'm just going to kind of give you a little, little, uh, little preview of this. I'm going to read to you what happened to the 11 disciples. You're going to learn what happened to every single one of the 11 disciples. If you, if you ever wondered, hey, what happened to John after the book of John? You know, what happened to that guy? What happened to Andrew? What happened to Bartholomew? What happened to that guy Thaddeus that nobody even knows was one of the 12 disciples? He was one of them. He was there. Philip was there. Matthew. You're going to learn what happened to every one of those disciples, so make sure that you're there. Uh, today we're talking about pure in heart, and to, to get this idea across, 
I want you to think in your mind right now about the most purest thing that, that you can see in life, maybe a diamond, maybe a glass of water. And I want you to see that that's what God wants your heart to be. I want you to think about sin polluting that. I want you to think about the diamond being torn apart and gouged and, and being thrown in the mud. That would be like sin. I want you to think about like water, somebody spitting in it. That would be like greed and lust, okay? What God is saying to us are, blessed are the pure in spirit, uh, the pure in heart. The word blessed means happy. Everyone say happy. Let's be happy while we say happy. Can you smile and say happy? Thank you. So we are to be happy, and here's his part. Here, here's the thing we're supposed to know to be happy. Be pure in heart. And what does it mean to be pure in heart? To have your sins forgiven. So all of us were born with a dirty heart. That glass was dirty. That diamond was dirty. But Jesus cleansed us. That's the pure in heart. If you are pure in your heart today, you're happy. Are you happy that your sins are forgiven? Amen. Come on. To be honest with your life before God and man, now think of this purity like a mirror. Think of like a glass, and if that mirror is, is clean, you can see yourself, right? And when you come to Christ, the Bible says your flesh, like that mirror, is very dirty. You don't know who you are, and you don't see who God is. But through the Word, He cleans that mirror, and you can see who you are. And like I said today, we're thankful for mirrors. Are you all thankful for mirrors? Amen. Aren't you happy today you could fix that hair and all that, and you could get ready, ladies, and some of y'all can probably tell I need a little bit more work in the mirror. I'm trying, y'all, just pray for me. And, uh, you know, and, and you know what? That mirror, the Bible says, represents his presence, his word. Blessed are the pure in heart who can look at God's word and be honest with who they are. You see, you'll be happy when you can do that. It doesn't mean that you're perfect in life. It just means when you have struggles and you say, oh, I need to fix this, God help me now. I'm not denying this. I need your help. That would be like breaking every window in your mirror because you have a zit and walking out going, I don't have zits because I haven't seen one. You see, then someone's going to look at you and say, oh, you have a zit. And that's why you've got to come to church sometimes because the pastor's got to point out some stuff in your life. Look at your neighbor and say, he still loves you, though. See, nobody's judging you. We're just here to help you. Amen. But blessed are the pure in heart who don't need a pastor to come and do that, who alone in the presence of God can reflect and, and see who they are. And then lastly, to live holy. Now to be pure in heart, this represents like a good life, to, to live a holy life, to walk out of here pure. And think of this now like your clothes. Like we all put on nice, clean clothes today. And so we walk around to this world, and we're presenting to this world a certain image. We're presenting a clean image, a, a healthy image. We should be in good health. And to live holy means to live like Jesus. It means that when you walk out of here, you're pure in your heart. You don't cuss when everybody else cusses. You don't get angry when everybody else gets angry. You, you don't steal. You don't, you don't even take a pencil from your job without permission. Amen? You, you see, Jesus is looking for people that are pure like a glass of water so that they can have a pure heart and a happy life. He's looking for people that are, that are transparent so they can see themselves and, and be who he wants them to be. And he's looking for people who can walk out clean in this world and be blessed wherever they go. Can you say, pure in heart? Now look at the reward that we have because we're pure in heart. Not because we deserve it or it's owed to us, but when we're pure in heart, the Bible says we will see God. You, that's what Jesus has said. You see, he said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now what does it mean to see God? Well, you'll know him personally. That means right now you'll know God. How many people know God? Do you have a relationship with God? Amen. Aren't you happy that you know him? 
I always tell people, you know, it's not do you know about him. Yeah, I know about Abraham Lincoln, but I've never met the man. The question isn't do you know about God. Have you read his autobiography? Do you know where he was born and raised? Have you visited his little tomb? It's not like, hey, I've been to Lincoln's hometown. I visited where he was born as a little baby. No, it's not about that. Do you know him? And the beauty of Christianity is our God is alive. He's not like Buddha who stayed dead or Muhammad or some make-believe story of the Hindu Vedas. You know, Jesus Christ is alive. And when you have a pure heart, you'll see him. So when we were talking to Kyle last night, Ishmael and I, we asked him, are you 100% ready to see God right now? Are you ready to face God on Judgment Day? He says, man, I don't think anybody can be ready. I said, bro, you haven't read the Bible. The Bible says you can be ready. I'm ready to see him right now. Why? Because I'm spending time in his presence. Because the second part about seeing God means to see him face to face. Personally, really, even one day you're going to see him on judgment day. And this man Kyle was saying, I'm not ready to see him. So you know what we said? You got to get right with God. You got to have a pure heart. And then everybody might say, well, pastor, or he was saying, you know what, pastor, no one's perfect. No one's perfect. That's right. No one's perfect. But Jesus said he was perfect. He's righteous. And Ishmael told him, and he'll give you his righteousness. He will make you pure. Come on, somebody say God is good. We are imputed righteousness by Christ Jesus. We are given righteousness by him. The Bible says we're literally clothed in it. Man, how can we come out in this world all dirty, naked as sinners when Christ said he'll clothe us in white? He'll give us pure gold. Amen? We'll see him in a relationship on this earth. We're going to see him one day face to face. And we'll also see him as we are a reflection of him. Think about it like this. The moon has no light in itself. But when we are in a darkened night and you, you look up, you see the moon. But the moon is not shining on itself. The sun is on, the light from the sun hits the moon and it reflects, all right? Now I want you to think of it this way. You are like that moon. You are in this flesh. You are, you are in this earthen vessel and the S-O-N sun is shining on you. And when people get around you, they can see God. Come on, somebody. They, they can see, whoa, what, what, what's going on in your life? You look different. You're acting different. I, I see a love inside of you that doesn't come from this world. Where does it come from? It comes from the the sun. My God is shining on me. Amen. So blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Look at your neighbor and say that with me. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Amen. Look at Psalms 24, verse 1 through 6. This is David in the Old Testament, a man that truly desired to see God. Listen to how he described a relationship with God. And this is in review, and we'll go on to our second part in just a moment. But it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it upon the waters. Look at what he says in verse 3. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a... And a what? Amen. A pure heart who does not lift up his soul to an idol or swear by what is false. He will receive blessing from the Lord, vindication from God his Savior. Such is a generation of those who seek him, who seek your face, O God of Jacob. Do we see the promise there? You see, David in the Old Testament, in the Old Covenant, still knew what it was about. Jesus coming in the New Covenant, in the book of Matthew, saying the same thing. You want to see God? You've got to seek his face. Your hands have to be clean. 
Your heart has to be pure. Don't lift up your soul to an idol. Put nothing before God and do not lie. Live a, a life of integrity. You see, that's the key here today. That generation, those people will see God. They will receive a blessing from the Lord. How many want that blessing? You see, there's nothing new from the Old to the New Testament. I had a theology teacher that taught me like this. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. The New Testament is the Old Testament revealed. If you think about that, everything in the Old Testament is types and shadows of the New Testament. The New Testament is everything fulfilled of the Old Testament. The Old Testament is the New Testament concealed. It's wrapped in those in, in these types and shadows. It's called the hill of the Lord and all of these things. But in the New Testament, it reveals it to us and says the hill of the Lord, the temple of God, Zion, is in our hearts now. Amen. That God dwells among His people and that we get to receive that blessing. So today, the, the key that we need to learn is blessed are the pure in heart, because they will see God. Now, we want to know where our heart is, and what is our heart. We talked about this last week. So everybody point to where your heart is. Right here is where you're going to point somewhere around your earthly heart. But you know what the Bible says around here is your soul and your innermost being. So point right here to your belly. <laughs> in your innermost being. See, this is your earthly heart. This is your soul. And I got a little picture up here to help you guys with this. You see, Bible says that we're body, soul, and spirit. Now you can point to your heart and say that's your heart. That's okay. That's okay. Because you know what? The Bible says that the body, which includes your organs, is the, the temporal part of you. And that is the part that we all can see. It's the natural part. When we talk about your soul, which is your mind, will, and emotions, that is the that is the non-temporal part. That is the incorporeal part. That is the non-physical part of you. That is the part that the Bible says is made in God's image that lasts beyond your body's life. That when your body dies, your soul goes to heaven. Then the Bible says that you have a spirit and that the spirit and soul are one. And the only thing that separates them is the word of God that divides them. But the Bible says you are a body, soul, and spirit. So where is the heart of man? I believe that the heart of man is in his soul. And we learned that when man made God, he made him body, soul, and spirit. So here we are, body, soul, and spirit. But when he first made us, Adam and Eve were perfect in their body. They didn't have to wear glasses. They were totally perfect in their soul, their mind, their will, and their emotions. was was a perfect will and a perfect emotion, and it was, it was designed to serve God, and their spirit was alive. But the Bible says that the day that they willed to sin, they made a choice to sin, their spirit died. Because God said, in the day you eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, in that day you shall surely die. You all remember that? Some of you all looking at me, you don't know that, but it says that in your Bible. So when Adam and Eve ate of the tree of good and evil, what died that day? Their spirit, because their body didn't fall over dead, did it? But death came into their body, and their body began to die. Their mind had become brain dead all of a sudden, did it? No. But their mind began to have imperfections, the result of sin. But what died instantly that day was their spirit. Now, I want you to watch this right here. When Jesus is saying, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. What God is saying is, when your spirit is born again, everybody say born again. John 3, 3 says, truly I say unto you, unless you are born again, you shall not see the kingdom of God. When you are born again, do you get a new body that day you accepted Christ? No, do you get a new soul? Your mind just all of a sudden changes. Boop, you're a new person. What changed that day? Your spirit. Jesus goes on in John chapter 3, verse 5, and he says, What's born of the flesh is flesh. Your mom and dad got together one lonely old night, uh, listening to some slow jams, and then out came you nine months later. Amen? And pray for that time for Ish and Robin and me and uh, Nancy. No, no, not, not us three. 
Ish and Robin, pray for them separately. Then pray for my wife and I separately. Amen. And then y'all are going to be coming up, right? Praise the Lord. Amen. Okay. So right here, we're born again, but this is not of the flesh. And we talked about Nicodemus saying, do I have to go back up in my mother's womb? And that was just a crazy question. Amen. And we're not going to talk about that today because that will gross everybody out going back up into the womb. But that old man actually asked that question because he couldn't understand spiritual things. But here it is. We're born again of the spirit because the Holy Spirit, like flesh gives birth to flesh, the Holy Spirit gives birth to spirit. Now, where does the heart come in? The heart is your soul. It's right there. That's your, your mind. That's your emotions. That's your will. And what God is saying is when you become a Christian, you are new on the inside. And now every day this has to change. Your thinking needs to change. Everybody say, get rid of stinking thinking. Amen. This stinking thinking has got to be changed. This mind as a hard drive has got to be rebooted. And yes, that is a spiritual process. God inside of you is doing that, but he works with you. So today you can be born again and choose not to change your thinking, and you can be just as angry as you've always been. You can be just as lustful as you've always been, but yet you're a Christian, yet you're going to heaven because being born again starts the process. Now, you see, that little child, when he's born, he doesn't come out speaking English, adding 2 plus 2 and and driving a car, does he? No, that child needs to grow. And so you were born again in your spirit, but now you need to grow. Everybody say grow up. And the Bible says that in Colossians, grow up into spiritual things. In, in, in the book of Philippians, it talks about putting your mind on Christ and heavenly things. So this is what uh, we're learning today. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. See, when my mind is pure, I begin to see God in my spirit. I begin to hear his voice. I begin to talk like him. I begin to act like him. Are you all getting this now? You see, the spirit inside of me guides my soul. And then my soul commands my body. My mind commands where my hands go. You see, nobody's making me hold this microphone right now, and nobody's making you hold a cigarette if you smoke. Are you listening? You see, you choose what you're going to do today. You see, no one here is being controlled by the devil to make them do things. Now, there are some times that people are demon-possessed and they get a little out of control, but I don't see any demon-possessed people here. Amen? There may be some demons around you, but they ain't just controlling your whole life. Are you all listening? You ain't running naked, cutting yourself, doing all that crazy stuff, okay? Now, you may have some evil spirits that are helping you sin, that are guiding you down the path of sin. But everyone here of a sound mind has a choice. And just like I have a choice to hold this microphone or to set it down, you have a choice in what you do. So guess what? Your spirit, the God spirit inside of you, has to give you new life. You've got to make some choices. You've got to say, Lord, I feel like smoking if you're a smoker. But, Lord, by your spirit I can do all things. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And then you control your body. Amen? Then you control your mind. You don't let your mind say, I want to smoke. The moment you start hearing, I want to smoke, just start thinking about Jesus. Start thinking about the cross. Amen? I always tell men, every time they lust, change that picture with that woman in your mind or that picture that you're seeing with Jesus hanging on the cross. Amen? That will keep you sterile right there. Amen? That won't turn you on anymore. Praise God. Are you listening? And so what Jesus is teaching us is, blessed are the pure in heart. Blessed are those who are born again and allow their soul, their mind, will, and emotions to be transformed. And so what I want to tell you today about the heart and share with you is your thoughts, words, and actions. Because these are all the things that come from your soul. 
And this is what we learned last week about our thoughts. So just look up here. We're going to go and review, and i got a lot to give you that's new, but we're still reviewing here. Matthew 5, 27 through 28 says, You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. So they knew not to go out and physically commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his Okay, now when Jesus is referring to heart there, is he talking about this organ inside of your body? Boom, boom, boom. Is that where you lust? Where do we lust? In our mind. You get it right there? You see the connection now? So you're born again. You're a Christian. But your mind has a choice now. Are you going to lust after a woman, gentlemen? Because if you do, the Bible says that's just like committing the act of adultery. You see, this is where it gets serious now. This is where God is saying, hey, I'm not looking at the outside. I'm looking at the inside. You see, before I even preach to you, i got to preach to myself. Are you listening? I had to wake up today and preach to myself and say, Lord, let this message be my heart today. Let it come from my pure heart today. Let me be who you, who you called me to be. Let me be a man of God in front of these people because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Because, you know, today I could be standing in front of you saying, oh, I'm so holy. I've never cheated on my wife. But I could, be, I could have looked at pornography last night. And, and none of you would know. Hello? None of you would know if I looked at pornography. But God would know. And then the Bible says if I continued in that behavior, I would not see God. Well, you can take this idea and you can apply it to all different areas of your life. He begins to say, You think that if you just go out and murder somebody, that's murder. But then Jesus goes on to say, but I tell you, if you're angry with someone in your heart, that is the same as murder. You see, now you can begin to understand how important this is. Jesus can go on to, he goes on to say, you've heard it say, you know, love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I tell you, if you hate your enemies, I will not forgive you. And he starts talking about, you know, you have to forgive to be forgiven. You see, God knows the way you feel even about your enemies. Why? Because he's looking at your heart. And what this part of your heart is, the part that he's focusing on is your thoughts. Everybody say, my thoughts. Now, I want you to see this number that we gave last week. The average person thinks about 50,000 thoughts a day. And we've talked about how you're thinking about why you're thinking right now because I just brought up why you're thinking. Isn't that cool? And then, like, you're thinking about what was I really thinking about because now I'm thinking about why I'm thinking. And then you're like, oh, yeah, I remember. I was thinking about what I was going to eat when I went home. And then I was thinking about this. And then now you're looking at me going, man, why is he looking at me? What's he thinking I'm thinking? Okay? And it's all types of weird stuff because our brain is like this, you know, this processor. And it's just going through these thoughts. And it's like 3,000 thoughts per hour. And as you're sitting here, it's like 52 thoughts per minute. Now, think about this. Think about this. That's why you're thinking. If you just thought 10% negative thoughts, that's just one out of 10 thoughts were negative. One out of 10 thoughts were against God's commands. One out of 10 thoughts put yourself down. You would have 5,000 thoughts floating around in your head a day. Do you see why people are depressed? Do you see why people can't sleep? You see, let me tell you something. That's great that you use Ambient, those little things, the little butterflies that come and float on your bed at night. That's sweet, man. That's beautiful. But listen, you don't need that. All you need to do is just have some thoughts to put you to sleep. Amen? You just need to think about the Lord's goodness and all that He's done for you and recount His ways. And, and be thankful. Thank God for every blessing that you have. Thank God that you see, that you can talk, that you can hear, that you have hair, the little that some of us have, or, or, or thank that you're in shape, or as much shape that you're in. Amen? Or, or you're A-shape. Amen? Because <laughs> round is A-shape. Amen? So think that you're in shape. Praise God. I think that's beautiful. And you know what? All these scriptures, and there's so many on the Bible, and, and that, you, that you just begin to realize, wow, God's, God cares about what I think about. 
God's saying, if I'm pure in heart, I get to see him because he cares about what I'm thinking about. And you know what? What, what happens in a church service when we see God? Because we feel his presence. We see him reflected off of other people like Louisa. God is reflecting off of her, her spirit of giving. What is all that really? It started off with a thought. Started off with Louisa communicating with God, God speaking to her. Hey, I want you to be a blessing. She receives that thought. She thinks on that thought. She didn't think on her poverty or what she didn't have or, or her, her lack or her husband not being saved or any problem in her life. She began to think on God, and God continues to prosper her. Amen? You, you, you know that I, I, as I counsel people, one of the first things that I always have to do when I counsel people is let them know they're not the only ones with trouble. Because many times when I am counseling somebody, they feel like they're the only ones in the entire world that have problems. Anybody ever met anybody like that? They feel like they're the only one. And, and sometimes I have to tell them, I have to say, you know what? I may not be going through the stress you're going through. I may not know what it, it's like to lose a, a husband or to be divorced. Or I may not know what it's like to have a child on drugs. But you know what? This week, my landlord, that I left the building, my other landlord, because I have a new building, he's trying to ask me for another $1,200 saying I damaged his, his property moving out with my couches. And that, and that $1,200 fee, I called him a 100% retarded jerk on the phone because of that fee. And he hung up on me, okay? And then I call him back and then I'm trying to apologize and he curses me out and tells me to kiss his rear end a bunch of times. Are you listening? I said, that stress that I had at that moment feels like the whole world is crumbling for me. Now you you see puppy love may be puppy love, but it's real to the puppy, right? And and big problems may be real to big people, but little problems are real to little people. And, And what everyone here needs to realize is you're not the only one dealing with stuff up here. Okay, so while you're dealing with that, I'm dealing with my landlord telling me to kiss his rear end. You're dealing with your stuff at home. You're dealing with whatever you're dealing with. And you know what? There's the choice that we have. Do we have stinking thinking? Do we keep thinking on the garbage of this world? Because you can be depressed over anything. I mean, you, I mean, I could just get depressed over that. Oh, man, oh, me, oh, my. I might have to pay him this money. Oh, and he's a jerk. Should I take him to court? You know what the Lord just told me? Just tell him you'll give him all that he asks without argument. And the moment I just resolved that in my heart and I just ate on that humble pie and I was just, and I was just sitting here eating that humble pie, I was like, thank you, Lord. And I was just trying not to get angry. You know what? I just felt peace come. And you know what? I don't know what, he, what I'm going to have to pay this man because of this, this lie he's telling about me. But you know what? When I just gave it to God and did it his way and I just started thinking on peace and thinking on joy and thinking on God, peace came, joy came, God came. Amen? Look at Romans 12, verse 2. It says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what is God's will, his pleasing and perfect will. Somebody say, Transform. Remember we talked about transformers. You know, the guy, who is the semi-truck? Always forget the semi-truck. Optimus Prime. Does anybody know who he is? Anybody saw Transformers? Yes, Pastor, we know. Okay, so think of the big truck. He's driving, but then he's not a truck anymore. You know, he's changed. And he's now the person, right? You can tell I've been around the youth for a while. Amen. This is my little actions here. And there's Optimus Prime. Here he is. But he once was a truck, but now he's Optimus Prime, right? He's a big guy. He's going to do some fight. He's going to punch some people out. The Bible is saying there is a pattern in this world. 
And the pattern is in your mind. And there's a pattern that they follow. People cuss you out, you cuss them out. People cut you off, you cut them off. Your boss treats you this way, you give him a lousy job at work, right? Your wife does you like this in the morning, you hold it in, and you do her like this at night. Is everybody listening? You know what I'm talking about? And there's a pattern in this world. The Bible is saying be transformed from that pattern. Be transformed. Be renewed. Have a new pattern. And let it come through Christ Jesus, and then you'll see his perfect will. See, a lot of people say, well, today, Pastor, all I can see is this pattern. All I can see is handling problems this one way. Well, you've got to say, God, change me. That's the whole point. We are not perfect. The whole point is if you stay as that truck, that's all you'll ever be. But when you say, God, transform me, that's when you become Optimus Prime. When that caterpillar gets in that little cocoon. See, he has to get in that little cocoon. All right? Or otherwise he's going to stay that little nasty caterpillar his whole life. And that's what stinking thinking is life. It's, it's like that little nasty, ooey-gooey, just nasty little caterpillar. Does anybody like caterpillars? But you all like butterflies, right? <laughs> little butterflies. Colorful, beautiful butterflies. We sit in the green grass. We see them come. Look at that little beautiful butterfly. But you know that little butterfly was? It was a nasty little caterpillar at one time. And that little nasty little caterpillar had to be transformed. You know what? I know you think you're cute and you're nice and you're all that. But listen to me. Inside, you can be a nasty little caterpillar. Amen? And you need and I need God's Word to transform us so we can be beautiful butterflies. Look at your neighbor and say, be a butterfly for Jesus. <laughs> Amen. And look at Psalm 63:6. On my bed I remember you. Amen. Hallelujah for being a butterfly. I think of you. Look what, look what David said. I think of you through the watches of the night. I think about you through the watches of the night. Boy, how many of us could just testify one to another about the things God brought us through? And how did he bring us through? Were we complaining? No, were were we backbiting? No, he brought us through when we were thinking on him. Those times that you don't know how you went to bed, what were you thinking on? You were just thinking on God. You know, there were times where, you know, stress was in my life and I couldn't figure it out and my little cantaloupe-sized brain and this little hard drive couldn't put it together and, and my little caterpillar mind was just stinking. And I remember just many times in Bible college. And once again, those problems may seem small to you, but at that time, those were big for me. You know, that's when I was learning how to cope with this. And, you know, suicide, they say right now among the baby boomers is, is booming. They say right now more people are committing suicide a- after 40 than ever before. And one of the reasons why they say this is happening is because people had an idea of what life would be. And that's why we teach in our 201 class that the American dream is a lie. There's nothing wrong with prosperity. There's nothing wrong with coming to America, getting a job, and having freedom. If that's how you define it, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you define the American dream as cars and houses and lands and education, making your family and you satisfied, that's not going to work, friends. Because just take a trip over to China. They have education and places to live, and their children, you know, they have less crime than us. But they're not happy. They have suicide as well. Europe has that, and they're not happy. So, so we look, they're looking at today baby boomers. Why are people in, in the 40s and 50s committing suicide more than ever before? And they're saying because they're disappointed in life. They're disappointed in life. And you know why? It's because they're not thinking about God. You see, before you can even think about your family, you need to think about God. Amen? Those people have family. Those people have children. You would be surprised at how many adults come to my, come to my counseling, and, and they have a great job. They have a great family, but they're depressed. And we have to start off right here and say, man, you've got to be transformed. 
You see, because that businessman may have a business, and he starts thinking about that business all the time, and he thinks about those that don't like him, and then he thinks about how his life's turned out, and then he'll, he'll say he has a $100,000 a year job, but it's not good enough. And you could just watch people deteriorate when they think. Every night, I challenge you, deprogram the junk of your mind thinking on God. Amen? Psalm seventy-seven, twelve: I will meditate also of all thy work and talk of thy doings. See, meditation leads to talk. And see, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about what we're thinking about and now what we're going to talk about. What is the heart? Your heart is where you talk. It's where you think. It's where you get your drive to do things. God is saying, let that be pure. Now we get to the message. Amen. Everybody say, let's get ready. Praise God. Turn with me to Luke chapter 6, verse 43. That was the introduction. Pray for me. My mom, you know, you know my mom told me? My mom said, because she did a Bible study one time. And she said, she called me up and she said, I said, how'd the Bible study go? And she's like, it was great. And I only talked 20 minutes. And I know if I can do it, I know pastors can do it too. And then I thought about that. And then I saw her on this last trip. And I said, you know why maybe you only talked 20 minutes and we talked for 45 minutes? is because we got a lot more to say. You know, because we as pastors, we, we just stay at home all day. And what we're thinking about is what we're going to tell our congregation, you know. Like, I pictured this congregation in my mind throughout the week and in prayer. I'm like, Lord, what can I say to bless Bell? What words from your Bible will bless Ishmael and bless those that are here today? So I want you to think about words because you've just been hearing a lot of words today. Now we're going to talk about where those come from. Luke chapter 6, 43. If you're there, can you say I'm there? Look at where our words come from. The good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his what? In his where? In his heart, thank you. The evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his what? All right, for out of the overflow of his, his mouth speaks. Uh-oh. You ever say something and go, oh, I didn't mean that? The Bible says, yes, you did. The Bible says, yes, you did. That was just one of those 5,000 thoughts you didn't want anybody else to hear. Hello? I want you to think about that. You ever said something to somebody, you've been in a fight, you ever heard somebody that was drunk and they were drinking around you and they started just blabbing their mouth and afterwards they said, oh, I was just drunk, I didn't mean that, I was just angry, I didn't mean that. That's not true. Yes, they did. He was in their heart. You see, the heart is the mind and that mind that is able to frame those words is able to mean what those words are saying. You see, your words are a reflection of your heart. Now, I want you to think about this right here, about how many words you're speaking a day. They say on average men speak about 2,000 words per day, and women speak 7,000 words per day. Now, they asked the woman, why do you think y'all talk more than men? And the mother said, because i got to tell my children two and three times what to do. And then they looked at their husband. i got to do the same for him. So that's why they're talking so much. But I don't know. Amen. I, I think we're listening. But they said that not only this, but men generally speak those 2,000 words in only two tones. They say women have five different tones. And how many men here have heard all those tones? Amen. I mean, men, it's just either talking or yelling. That's it. Women got that sarcastic touch, you know. They got that I'm angry, but I'm going to let you know I'm too angry because I want to see if you can figure it out. And you see, the Bible says that when we're speaking our words, that in Proverbs 18, our words are either sending out life or they're bringing death. So you can look at your 2,000 words like 2,000 seeds, that every word you're speaking is like a seed, and it's planted in the ground of people's hearts because now you're speaking to their minds. 
You're speaking to their minds with your words. And when your words hit their minds, they are like seeds. Is the seed now bearing fruit of life or is it bringing death? Think about that. When you're talking in business and you're helping a customer, are you giving them things that are going to help them or are you speaking death? When you're talking to your wife, are you telling her things that are going to cause life in her and success or are you speaking things to her that are going to result in death? When you're speaking to your children, are you speaking uplifting words? That doesn't mean you always got to tell them they're right in what they do. Even in your correction, are you speaking words of life or are you speaking words of death? You see, Proverbs 18.21 is telling us that we have the power. And as long as I've been a Christian, I've never seen the Holy Ghost inside of somebody's tongue going, you know what I'm saying? Like making us talk. I don't see God making you and I talk, wagging our tongue around, even when we speak in tongues. It is a choice to submit to what the Spirit is saying. And here our mind has a choice. What are you going to say? What is your life going to reflect? Now God says, here's where your heart needs to be pure. And the words that you speak, 2,000 of them a day, men, 7,000 for women. How has your words been for your heart? Are they speaking pure? Are they pure? Or are they, are they unclean? You know what? They can tell you that the psychiatrist will tell you so much about your life. The psychologist, just people who study the mind, will tell you so much about who you are just by the words you say and just by how you say them and just by what you mean. And that is exactly how God looks at your life. Do you know that God one day is going to take all of your words and judge each one of them? Do you know that? Do you know that that is not just for non-Christians? A lot of times we as Christians just think, I am not going to judgment seat. Praise the Lord. My name's in the book of life. I'm just going to heaven. But do you know that that is not true? There is the great white throne of judgment that separates the wheat from the chaff, the sheep from the goats. But there is the bema seat of judgment where Christ will reward you for the things you've done. And he is going to test your life. And the Bible says that the foundation is Christ and that we were to build on his foundation and he says some people have built on the foundation of christ with wood hay and stubble and when god tests our life he's going to test it with fire and he says some people are going to go to heaven only by missing hell they'll have no rewards when they go to heaven he says others are going to build their life on precious stones and that when they go to heaven, their life will be tested and they'll be given rewards. Do you know that Christ is going to test your words? And if your words were words of life, that if your words were words of encouragement, you'll be rewarded for that. Were you an encourager? Were you somebody that encouraged your children? Did you encourage your neighbors? Were you good at your business? Did you speak the truth or did you lie? Did you say things out of selfish motive? You see, our words will be held accountable. Somebody say, help us, Jesus. I want you to see that where our words need to be coming from is from the Holy Spirit. You know that that is the most toughest thing you and I are ever going to do in life is watch our words. James, the book of James says that our tongue is worse than any animal on this planet. The the Bible says in the book of James that we can tame animals. We could tame tigers. You can go, you know, to the circus and watch tigers jump through hoops. But the Bible says we can't even tame our tongue. Even as pastors, I'll say stuff and I'll be like, oh, man, Jesus, forgive me. I called that guy a 100% retarded jerk. That was about as close as I could get to cussing but not cussing. Y'all looking at me like, oh, pastor, we've got to pray for you. We'll pray for you, amen. But you know you're not much better. Come on. Some of you might have said something a little different than retarded jerk. But I, I mean, just as the words left, and there is no way I could say I did not mean that. I mean, I meant every bit of that. And the moment that left, it was like, Jesus, I'm wrong. 
And, man, did I take a licking from that for that, man. This guy, but see, here's the thing. See, I'm not going to be judged on how that man acted. You see, I'm going to be judged on the words I spoke. So I had to go back to that man. I had to ask for forgiveness. And I was taught one time, and I want to pass this on to you, tell you, tell you what I, I feel about words, is that words are something that you can never get back. And if you could look at words, it would be like me going out to this highway right here or this road and just opening up uh, a pillow that has feathers in it and just, uh, you know, getting out all those feathers and they start to blow. And then me saying to Will, Will, now get back all those feathers. That's like our words. You can't get back your words. You know that one bad day you're at the you're at the water jug, you know, the water cooler at office, and you're getting mad and upset. There may be three people around you that hear you, and you're never going to be able to get those words back. That's why we got to be careful about how we talk as Christians. You know the things that we say around our children. I mean, I know parents realize that. And I'm going to see that as a, as a parent, as they mimic me. I even kind of see that with our youth here. You know, I started, with, I started this thing to hell with religion. And now there's not a, a prayer meeting that doesn't go by where somebody is now saying, to hell with religion, Jesus come. And I'm just thinking to myself, Lord, I hope that's a good thing to say. I hope that one's all right because I kind of passed that along here to the church, you know. Because people repeat what you say. Children repeat what they hear. And we've got to guard our words, and they need to come from the Spirit. And I want to give you some scriptures up here. So there's too many to look through. But write these down in your notes. Go through them this week, as I did this week, and they were just challenging me. Let's start in the Old Testament. Let's go back to David in the Psalms. Psalms 119, 172. My tongue, sing of your word, for all your commands are righteous. When was the last time this week you sang of the Lord's commands? Do you know why we sing? Is because we're saying with our words we love God. Us, our musical gifts, even if we can't sing, it doesn't even matter. But using our voice to worship God will bless Him and it will bless your life. You will be happy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Where's the purity come? It comes in your thoughts and now in your words. Blessed are you when you sing of His commands. Praise God, man. We're not just talking about singing of his blessings. Sing of his commands. Look at Psalm 71, 24. My tongue will tell of your righteous acts all day long. For those who wanted to harm me have been put to shame and confusion. Is that what we're talking about all day long? I mean, David was a king, by the way. So I just don't want you to think David was some monk in heaven, God bless, or monk on the earth. God bless you, brother. Go in peace, my son. No, David was a king. He was in charge of a kingdom. That means he had to make sure the generals and all of his army was right. He had to make sure the, the income and the economy was right. But what he is saying is all throughout the day, it always goes back to God. And even if the name of God is not being mentioned, you don't have to be like, you know, like my brother does financial planning. Well, I believe the Lord is telling you to invest in stocks and bonds and mutual funds. Amen. You don't have to say that. But when you're recommending stocks and bonds and mutual funds, is it through his commands? Is it, is it right? Is, God, is this God's plan? Is this what God is doing? When, brother, you're doing project engineering, you don't have to walk up to him and go, Brothers, praise the Lord this morning. Glad you've all come to work. Let me just start off with a prayer, and then let us start removing this asbestos, and let us sing songs of praise unto God as we do. In the key of C, come on. Mm, holy, holy. No, you don't have to do that. But you know what but our worship leader, you know what he should be doing? He should be worshiping God while he's taking off asbestos. 
While he's working with his, his people and he's talking, God should be the, the center of his life. And, the, and people should be able to see that. Remember we talked about blessed are the pure in heart because they'll see God. And one of the ways to look at purity is being a reflection of God, that God is the sun and we are the moon. Well, how do people see God? I mean, when we say people will see the love of God in us, how are they going to see that? Is God going to stamp uh, his love on our foreheads? And Oh, I see God's love on you. Or are they going to see it through our words. Hear it through what we say. Watch us act. See the results of our thoughts and our words. Then they'll see God in our lives. 1 Peter 3.10 says, For whoever would love life and see good days must keep his tongue from evil and his lips from deceitful speech. That's why all of my young people right here never never get the habit of cursing. Never listen to people that curse. The, the, The rappers and all of that. You know what the Bible is saying? If you do that, you're going to be cursed. Because it's, if you see whoever loves life will, and see his days will, will do this, take the opposite. Whoever doesn't want to see a long life, whoever's not going to see good days, his, his speech is corrupt. His speech is deceitful. That's why we've got to watch what we see on TV. Some of these shows today are giving us words of death, and we have to be careful about their words coming into our hearts because those words can result in death. The Bible says those that want to see a good life, those that want to be blessed need to speak words of life. Everybody say the good life comes from good words. Amen. First Peter 4.11. This is so beautiful, especially for those of us who want to preach God's word. If anyone speaks, but it's not even just for preachers. If anyone speaks, he should be, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. Oh, praise God. Oh, Jesus, let us speak as the very words of God. How would God speak to your enemy today, the one that hates you? How would God speak to that man that I I called a 100% retarded jerk? How would God speak to your employees? How would God speak to your children? Let us speak as the one speaking the very words of God. Do you know that this ability that God has given us to speak his words is a blessing? I mean, when we speak words of God, we get answers to prayer. The Bible actually says that we can speak things that are not as though they were. And that that we, can, we can look at people and, and encourage them and see them do things that they never even thought they can do. Do you know that encouragement is to give somebody courage? Encourage. I'm giving somebody courage. Well, how do you encourage? How do you give that person courage? Through your words. Do you know that you and I can raise up our children and through our words? How do they see us? Through our words and what we speak to them. We can build them up to be mighty men and women of God. When we are at at our job, with our words, we can produce an atmosphere of success and to be the best at whatever we do in our jobs. Come on, somebody say the good life starts with good words. Amen. So I want to challenge you to watch your words, and to continue to follow God. And, and, and if, like me, you make a mistake. If, do you think anybody here has ever made a mistake besides me? Okay, I'm just making sure. If anybody like me makes a mistake, let us catch those words. And though we can't get them back, and, and though some people will, will never forget that we've said those words, between us and God, let's make it right. And then walk out of fear. Uh, walk away from that situation and do it right. And say, Lord, use my words to encourage people. You know, we have a police officer. It's just so unique. You know, as the church grows, I just love, you know, financial advisor, police officer, project engineer, manager, a man that owns his own business, and, you know, working as a secretary, and and just all a nurse, all of these things. I mean, just look at what your words can do. 
Look what your words can do as a nurse. You can come in there, hey, how you doing? All right, let me just take this. All right, goodbye. Have a nice day. Yeah, you can do the protocol, or you can go in there speaking life. How are you doing today, Mr. Jones? I, I see that you have wet yourself. I mean, come on. It happens, right? But you know what? You're going to be okay. We're going to, we're going to keep believing that you're going to be all right. Maybe you can't say I'm, I'm praying for you, but you can just say, you know, I'm, I'm believing you're going to be okay, Mr. Jones. You know, because Mr. Jones may only have his son that comes and visits him. And here he's, he's, you know, he's disabled. How would you want somebody to treat your son? You know, we have, we have uh, uh, where's uh, Joselito? Joselito works in a nursing home. You know, my parents go to nursing homes. And you know, all they do with these old people is they just hold their hands and they just speak words into their life. God still loves you. God is still with you. I think about you guys at your lunch tables. What words are you speaking at your lunch table? Are you guys just talking about the football games or, or now the baseball games to start and the basketball games? And Are you talking about what girl over the, across the, the table looks good? Are you sitting there going, hey, you know what, man, I believe in you. You can go to college. If you see your friends discouraged, encouraging him. You see, it's taking on the junk of this world. It's the, it's the customers, David, that treat us wrong and, and then they're not good to us. But you're looking back at them and just say, okay, you know what, I, I wouldn't do it that way, but you know I want to let you know I want the best for your business. If that's what your business needs, I'm going to help you. I'm going to make the, make the best effort for you. Just speaking words of encouragement. See, that's success. Amen? I mean, people, people may be in our lives that can be burdens to us, and they can be, it can be work sometimes. That's why they call it work. But you know what? We can encourage those people. We can make a difference with our, with our words. Everybody say amen. Now, in closing today, would you stand with me? Because I really want God to touch us. I, I think we need to pray before we go. The last thing, the last thing that I want to talk about, thank you all for coming today. I know that today it was cold and the Chicagoans, I know it's nothing for you guys, but you could have stayed at home, but you came. And I appreciate that. And let's fill this place up and let's fill our children's ministry up and let's just take over for Jesus. Amen? And that's why we always come here talking about 100,000. We're not going to come here talking about 50 and 60 because, you know, that's what we have now. We want to talk about what we don't have and what God is going to bring us. Amen? Praise God. Now, the last thing is, is our actions. So how does it start? Purity of the heart starts with our mind. God's going to reprogram us. He's going to transform that caterpillar mind to the butterfly. Then we change our words. Now we're going to change what we're talking about. And then lastly, what follows is how we act. Hebrews 3.10 says, this is God talking, That is why I was angry with that generation. And I said, their hearts are always going astray. They have not known my ways. Rachel, would you come, please? Do you know that God's accusation, God's judgment against the people of Israel was they always go astray in their heart? And they don't obey me. Because you know what happens before somebody backslides? Before you, you see them at the clubs, before you see them just sitting at home, you know, watching TV on Sundays. Before they do that, you know what happened? Their heart went astray. Ties and offerings was coming around. Oh, I don't got to give to that. Heart started going astray. People in the church offended them. Instead of forgiving and saying, I forgive you, start holding it in thinking about it. Then they started talking to other people. Oh, oh, you know what so-and-so did to me? They said this about me. Their heart went astray. Do you know that every couple that I've married, every person that I've married, at that wedding day, if you ask them, does death 
Till death do you part. Is that what it means, till death? Are you all together till death? Is that what that means? Everybody would say, yes, till death. We've already had people divorce. I've already married young people, didn't even last a year, already divorced. Do you think those people came up that day saying, oh, yeah, one day we're going to get divorced? No, they didn't say that. All people here, you know what I'm talking about if you've been divorced. Something happened. Somebody's heart went astray. And what God is saying right here is I was angry with that generation because their heart kept going astray and they kept choosing different ways. But you see, the opposite of that is God is pleased with those whose hearts are always stayed on Him. And blessed are those that are pure in heart because they see God who shall ascend to the hill of the Lord. He that has clean hands and a pure heart who has not lifted his soul unto idols nor sworn deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord. This is the generation which seek you, O God of Jacob, who seek your face. God is looking for hearts that are geared towards him. People's hearts that say, my heart burns for Jesus. That my heart is lovesick for you. David said in Psalms 119, how can a man purify his ways? How can he stay from sin? He says, I have hidden your word within my heart that I may not sin against you. You can always tell when someone's going to walk away from God. They don't pray like they should. They don't read their word like they should. And all of a sudden, those 50,000 thoughts, they turn away from God. And then those 2,000, 7,000 words, they turn away from God. And the next thing you see is that flesh body going after the things and the patterns of this world. And God says He gets angry at that. But Psalms 51, 1-10 through 10 says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to Your unfailing love, okay, according to Your great compassion. Blot out my transgression. Wash away all my iniquity. Cleanse me from my sin for I know my transgression and my sin is always before me. Against you and you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight so that you are proved right when you speak and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth. Sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Surely you desire truth in the inner parts. Teach me wisdom in the inmost place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I will be clean. Wash me and I will be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you crush rejoice. Hide your face from my sins. Blot out my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Jesus Christ came to set us free. We were born as sinners, but we can be born again saints. And we can live for God. And any stinking thinking that gets in this mind, we can say, Lord, wash me. Wash me again. And let me be pure. Because I want my heart for you. I'm going to ask your Selden Adolfo to come, please, as we close in this illustration. Purify my heart, O oh God. This is my little pure drinking glass up here. And what I got is some junk that I want them to put in it. So who's got some lust? Let's put some lust in here because lust seems to be one of our favorite sins of this society. And so all of a sudden we start putting some lust in this pure drinking glass. You would have drank out of this before, right? But now now it's getting a little dirty, isn't it? But yet we still want to see God. People come to church, pray for me, Pastor, but you've been in lust all week. You think up here is going to magical going to happen? been speaking words of death all week and now you want something magical to happen you better come to Jesus Christ ask him to purify you you got to have a pure heart people come to this church and say oh they're a young church they're young adults I'm going to tell you something young or old we have hearts that are pure after God
I would rather have a worship leader that's 13 years old and has a pure heart than to have some dirty old man up here that's a pervert. Are you listening to me? I would rather have a church that's pure after God with 20 than 20,000 that don't know how to act and talk right. Now, I think we can have both, praise God, 100,000 on fire for God. But I'm going to tell you something. We here desire God. We may be young, wear jeans and spiky hair, but this church is about holiness. We are about guarding our words and watching our mind and making sure our hearts follow Christ. Amen. So we got some lust in there. What about some greed? Put some greed in there. Some greed. You know, people say, I don't have to give my tithes and offerings. That was some old leftover lettuce. Just nasty, man. I'm about ready to puke in the morning just looking at that nasty stuff. Oh, but pastor, I don't have to tithe. I don't have to give above my tithe. You see, we get greedy in our hearts. But we want to see God. We want God just to bless us four and no more. Bless my mother, my father, my brother, my sister. Just bless us. And we don't understand. We're greedy in our hearts. Do you know that America today, right now, is the wealthiest nation in the world? And out of the 6,000 years of human history, you live in the top 1% of wealth in the entire human history. Do you know that in the 1400s, people didn't have five pairs of clothes? They didn't have two cars? They didn't live in some 2,000 square foot home? They didn't have air conditioning. But you and I, we have all of this. But yet we need that one, we need that one other pair of shoes. We need that one, one, one other car. We need to upgrade. The Bible says that could become greed. And shame on us pastors when we fleece the sheep just to keep hoarding up our greed. When John Wesley died, John Wesley, the founder of the Methodist movement, saw millions of people saved, founded thousands of Methodist churches. When he died, he only had about four spoons. He had a horse that had been basically beat down because he had rode it over 50,000 miles across the American country. He only had a few clothes that he kept in a knapsack. But when he died, you know what he left behind? the Methodist church. He created the Bible Belt. He said, this is, what his, this is what his life mission was. Make all you can, give all you can, then save all you can. He says, just money is just a, just a tool. He said, I'm going to use it to bless my inheritance that comes after me, and I'm going to use it to bless the church. There's a group, and I, I'm just sticking on greed right now because this, this is something I was just thinking about. There's a group of, of non-Christians. I saw them on 2020. I, saw, I just saw these people. I was watching. I couldn't even believe this. There was about 100 of them. They got together on the Internet, and they found each other. And they said, you know, we make too much money in America. We have all of this. We don't even need it. They said, we're only going to live off what we need, and we're going to give the rest away. So this one couple, was uh, a guy was a professor at a college. He had his doctorate degree. These are just non-Christians. These are just people of the world that just thought about it for a second. And then the other woman worked in a law firm. They both made about 100 a year. And they said, you know what? Our children have gone to school. They're taking care of themselves. All we need is just a two-bedroom condo. All we need is one car because we don't really need to drive around so much. So we're just going to share one car. You know what they said? The rest of it we're going to give away to an inner-city program. They themselves, one family, started an inner-city ministry. Then this interviewer started going around to others, and they just found people, just normal people. One had a teaching job, one did something else, and they just made together maybe about $70,000 a year. And they said, you know what, if we share a car and we do this, we can live off of just $35,000 a year. And then they said, we're going to give the other $35,000 to Dofar, Sudan, so that they can have running water. And I began to think to myself, the world is getting the picture sometimes better than the church. 
We think to ourselves that we're going to see God with all of this garbage on the inside of us when we have orphanages, Christian orphans in Mozambique, Africa, and we give more to dog food than we do to our orphans. Are you listening to me? We give more to our new outfits than we do to the people that are hurting. And James said, this is true in undefiled religion. Those who take care of orphans and widows. Acts chapter 2 verse 42 said the believers had all things in common. Those who had land sold it and gave it to the apostles' feet. And there was no one that lacked anything among them. Amen. Praise God. I'm getting happy up here. What you got left? Cursing? Put some cursing in our hearts. Let's see what it looks like. That's garbage right there. That's what garbage it looks like. When you say, oh, I can't stop saying these four little words. When you think it sounds cool, gentlemen. I don't care where you work. I don't care if you're on the police department. I don't care if you work on a construction team. You think that looks good. That's garbage in your heart. You won't see God. You won't feel his presence. And I know if there's anything you guys need, men out there, where you need to feel God when you're on the job. You need to know that he's with you. Don't just feel him when he's, you're in church. What else we got? Lots of some jealousy. People say, oh, I'm just so jealous. You know, I can't help myself. That's what it begins to look like. Just, just nasty. Who wants this? Who wants to drink this right here? You want to just, just kick this back right now? Now let me ask you a question. What do you think God sees in our hearts? When we become born again, we are wiped clean of our sin. But if we as Christians begin to live like this, just allow that lust to seep in our hearts. So we just going to allow some greed to get in, some jealousy. What else you got left there? That's it. And you know what? This is what God sees. And then now we're saying to him, we come once a week and we're like, Lord, I extol you. I want to see you. And all of a sudden we're not feeling the goosebumps anymore. We're, we're wondering where the goosebumps are. It's like we're opening our eyes. Well, maybe the worship band, maybe they're not singing loud enough, right? And then all of a sudden, you know, we start looking around. Oh, maybe this person right here, they're distracting me. Or maybe they're, they're not right or something. You know, God's looking at our hearts saying, I can't bless your mess. God's not going to bless our mess. He's looking for people that want to come every day before him and say, Lord, clean my heart. I'm clothed in your righteousness and I ought to be thinking like you. I ought to be acting like you. I ought to be talking like you. Would you close your eyes and bow your heads? Father God, we thank you for today. Thank you. God, come into this place. Leave that up there, please. Father God, we ask you to purify our hearts. If you need God to purify your heart, right where you are as our worship leader just begins to lead us in a song, just raise your hands from wherever you are and start off by saying, just God, cleanse me. Just cleanse us, Lord. If you need to get saved, this is how you get saved. You say, Lord, I need to have a clean heart. Hallelujah. If you're already saved but you're not living like it, just say, Lord, cleanse me and be honest with those areas. We want to see you, God. I want to know you. Yes, we do, Lord. You are on. If you need to come forward and pray, come on. Just join her up here, please. We're going to pray for a few moments before we leave here today. Jesus, purify my heart today, Lord. Take away anger, Lord. Take it away, Jesus. Take it away, Lord. Purify me, Lord. Jesus.
God, we're a generation that wants to see you. I want to know you. Come on, let's think of a little bit louder, guys. Come on. You are all I want. We're going to lift up our voices today and cry out to God. Pray, keep praying, but you know what it's called when God cleanses this glass? It's called sanctification. What we're just saying to the Lord is, Sanctify me, Jesus. Make me holy, Lord. By your blood, sanctify me, Lord. When you're perfect, you can get done. You don't have to pray that prayer anymore. But Paul said, I have not yet reached perfection. This one thing I do, I forget about that which is behind me. And I press towards what is in front of me, that I may lay a hold of the prize. We've got to press forward, church. We've got to keep being made in that image of Christ. Hallelujah. God, transform me. Transform me. Oh, Lord. our prayer tonight, saints of God. Oh, Lord, cleanse my heart. Oh, Jesus, let there be no excuse why we leave out here the same way we came in. Oh, those of you that think that there's nothing in your life that needs to change, you have not seen God yet. The more you see Him, the more you know you need Him. The Bible says that Isaiah, a holy prophet, Oh, God, help us get this today. The Bible says that a holy prophet of God, a righteous man, Isaiah, when he saw a vision of the Lord, and he saw the Lord high and lifted up, he said, I am a man undone. 
I am a man with unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. And then the Bible says the angels came down and they took a coal off the throne of the altar and they purged him. They cleansed him. Oh God, let the purging continue in my life. I have not arrived. Oh God, if Paul said I have not arrived, oh God, I'm saying it, Lord, I have not arrived. I don't make excuse to sin, O Lord. But, Lord, I have fallen short. God, I have messed up at different times. And, Lord, I ask you to purge me. O God, the book of James says that out of our mouth comes blessing and curses. O God, I have found myself in that same boat. Lord, cleanse me. Lord, I pray that this church will be a holy church. Lord, let our confession be that you have changed us, that you have made us righteous and holy. And though we stumble and fall, God, you sanctify us. Oh, God, that is our heart today. And let us see you. Let us see you in every way possible. Let us see you every day in our relationship with you. Let us see you as you reflect who we are, God, to us. And you show us you in us. Let let us see you. And, God, let us reflect you to others. And one day, God, we long to see you face to face, to bow at your feet. Oh, God, you said every knee's going to bow and every tongue will confess one day at your throne. Oh, Lord, but I do it now. We willingly do it now. We, we lay our lives down now. Hallelujah, everyone here. Just put your hand over your earthly heart, just representing your soul, representing your mind, you know. And let's just pray this together. Jesus, I thank you today that you clothe me in righteousness, that you purify my heart, and that you're sanctifying me. And I thank you today, Lord, that sanctification will continue the rest of my life. God, I thank you today that if I should stumble and fall, if my heart should come unclean, if I should sin against you, Lord, I thank you that there's blood to wash me clean again, to purify me, Lord. So, Lord, today my heart will always be pure before you. And, God, you promised me that I would see you. And so, Lord, today open the eyes of my heart that I may see you. Open the eyes of my heart that I may see you more. Oh, Jesus. Jesus. Let's just sing that song before we go today. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord, so I might see you. That I might see you on my job. I might see you wherever I go. I'll see you in my home. I'll see you on the streets. Open the eyes of my heart. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to see you, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, open the eyes of my heart, I want to see you, I want to high and lifted up 
Yes, let's sing that again. Then we'll sing that holy part. Come on. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Yes, Lord, I want to see you. Want to see you, Lord. I want to see you. Oh, yes, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. We ascend to the hill of the Lord with pure hearts. Clean hands. Oh, Lord, I want to see you. We want to see you, Lord. I want to see you. We seek your face to see you high. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and love as we sing holy, holy, holy. To see you high and lifted up, shining in the light of your glory. Pour out your power and raise up our hands and say holy 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 I want to see you say holy holy I can see you I can see holy 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 we can see you Lord holy holy Come on, one more time. We see His holiness today. Holy, holy, holy. We love you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy. No one else is like you, Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Lord, I can see you. One more time. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy. How many can see Jesus, amen? You know why when we started off this service, why so many people were happy? Because I want you to imagine, if this was your heart, what's gonna, what it would feel like when that hot water, when it goes in the back, starts getting cleansed. When it starts getting cleansed. Are you all listening to me? One time, they, this country guy was driving on this country road, and he saw this dog, and it was doing backflips, and it was all crazy. And, and the man went over, and he had to stop and ask this other farmer what was going on with his dog. And he said, man, what's up with your dog? Why is your dog just flipping and jumping and running all over the place? And the man said, you don't know this dog. He said, when I found this dog, this dog was skin and bones. It was tied up, and it was left to die in the back of the woods over here. He said, but I untied this dog and I began to feed it and it got healthy and it hasn't stopped jumping since I brought it home because it's set free. I want to ask you a question today. Has Christ set you free? Are you happy? Are you blessed? Are you sanctified? Because if you are, you'll want to sing about Him. You'll want to praise Him. Hallelujah! We thank you, Lord. We thank you and bless you today. Woo! Hallelujah. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, I'm pure. I'm pure. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.
Sister Rachel, would you come over here and pray for us? I love our elders. I love the people of this church. Amen. One of the things I love about Rachel and Ricky is their hearts are pure. If you ever want to meet some people with pure hearts, get around them. God is purifying us, and I can just see it in her life. So I want her to pray for us, that God will keep us pure in His presence. And that if anybody comes back looking like this next week, you're just going to repent and get right with God, because that don't have to be your heart anymore. So the only people going to come like this is our visitors. Amen? Praise God. You know why? That's why sometimes people, you come, you see them crying. Because God's purifying our hearts. You ever see somebody just crumb to the altar and just cry? Sometimes it's not because they're hurt. Sometimes it's because God's just getting the junk out. Was anybody like that? When I got saved, I just came weeping. I want to see some people like this come next week. Some visitors, though. Amen? Being purified. Let's pray before we go. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we worship you. We thank you, Lord, for who you are, God. We thank you that you are awesome, that you are perfect. We thank you, mighty God, that, Father, you make us pure, Lord. I pray that this message would resonate for the rest of our lives in our heart, God, that we would choose, Lord, to be pure in our heart, God, pure in our actions, pure in our thoughts, God, pure in our words, Lord. We choose you today, Lord, and for the rest of our lives, Lord, I pray, God, if any of us are dirty in our hearts, Lord, that we would come to the waters, that you would wash us clean. Father God, we humble ourselves before you, Lord, that you would purify us inside and out. Father God, we pray, Lord Jesus, that we would be a church, God, that stands for purity, a church that stands for holiness in this generation, that we would see your face, oh God, every day, Lord. So God, I pray that as we leave from this place, Lord, that our purity, God, would, Father God, reach to the others, Lord God, and they would see Christ in us, Lord. We pray, mighty God, that you would set us ablaze for you, Lord. We love you today, God. We love you and we worship you, God. So have your way in our lives in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have a great week. God bless you. Thank you for coming. Stay pure.